thought, I thought you were introducing someone else then, Tucker. <laughs> Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everyone? Awesome. Um, what I want to share this morning is more of a, probably more of an action plan than a, than a, uh, a message. But when I was thinking about it during the week, when I was preparing for this, I was remembering when I, when I first got saved in this house. And you know, I grew up uh, in teams and groups, and they're always tight-knit. They're always really unified. And we always couldn't wait to see each other. Um, you know, we just wanted to hang out together. Whatever our commonality was, whether it was rugby or rugby league or other stuff, having fun, we always wanted to be around each other. And so when I was prepping this week, I remembered, and I'm, I believe God brought to my remembrance, um, the first time I came into this church, and because I'd been used to being a part of groups that were always like tight, everybody wanted to be shoulder to shoulder. When I walked in, arrogantly, because I'd only been a couple of times, walked in and looked around and it was kind of spread out like this. People were spread out. And I remember thinking, man, are these, do these people even like each other? <laughs> and then I realised you didn't. No. <laughs> of course I came in and realised that it was a lot tighter than I saw. But that was a visual, an illustration of what it looked like to me. And I remember coming in uh, to the men's conference in 2006. I'd never been to a conference, let alone a men's conference. And uh, when I came in through the doors, our guys, there was about 30 of our guys, and they were kind of spread out. Now, this is a 300, 400-seater auditorium. We had 30 guys dotted around the room. And when I came down the aisle, I saw three rows of men shoulder to shoulder in the front row. And I remember thinking, who are these guys? They all had the same T-shirts on. They kind of looked like the Wiggles, but same colours. <laughs> and they spoke like the Wiggles because they were Australians. But we, we kind of sat down and, we, and it was the, I think, because it was ours, Pastor Don opened the conference and he introduced Pastor Phil, who was their pastor. And as he introduced Pastor Phil, they all stood up as one and honoured their pastor. No, it wasn't dribbles, it wasn't dribs and drabs, it wasn't one and then someone went, I'd better stand up because he stood up. Everybody stood up at the same time. And it was, for me, it was a visual of what unity looks like. Not only that, we were doing haka to each other. And we had chosen at that stage, I think, 13 guys who did haka. You know, we, we'd chosen, I guess, guys, you wouldn't call them experts, but they're experts inside this house. But those 30 guys, they did the haka together. Now, there were Maori, Polynesian, and Australians. And when I spoke to them afterwards, the Australians took six months to learn the words, just to learn the pronunciation of the words, but they wanted to do it together. They wanted to be shoulder to shoulder, tight knit, doing things together. And we learned from that. We went to Australia the following year and, uh, and we did it in a, a similar way. But it's a visual. And so today, before we start, because this is a, a bit of a call to action, I want to get you guys up to talk, just greet each other. Um, we'll take a couple of minutes. Greet someone maybe that you don't know or someone that you do know, but as you get up, I want you to try and come forward. Now, we're going to make Grant and Christine Baxter, they're the column in the middle. If you could be forward of them or around them, you don't have to be shoulder to shoulder. We know these are different times. But please uh, get up and greet some people and then come forward. Come forward. I'm going to come down to you as well. I'll come down there. I'll leave you up there. 
just listening to Hello, Mason. I love you. Come on up. See, brother. Good call, brother. Good call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Righty, can we start making our way to the seats, please? Thank you for that. Here's our line. Can you come forward, Gina, Para? Can everybody just come forward? Don't get stuck in your seat. Come up a bit. Yeah, Grant and Christina got that line. You don't want to annoy Grant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, guys, we're going we're gonna to have this morning together. Just find a place up here somewhere. That's better. That's better. Now, I know it's a little bit uncomfortable to do that, particularly when you come in most weeks and you go to your same seat. I've done it for years. I used to sit over here. There was four of us that sat on these four chairs here. Then I was over that side, sort of middle, and now I'm up the front. 
But things are changing. Things are changing, and if you can't be ready to just change a seat, then you are going to be in trouble when things start changing. When God asks you to do something new, you're going to be in trouble if you can't just change a seat. Exactly. Oh, you're still at the front. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. That's great, but don't anyone sit in Pastor Robin's chair. <laughs> You know, the visual is just totally different when I, when I see it like this. You know, because of the traffic light framework, we are living in times where churches can only gather in small numbers. But this church has got a small number of people who have a lot of power, filled with the, God, the power of God and filled with the Word of God and ready for action. And so um, thank you very much for being willing to move. Well, the title of my message this morning is The Glorious Church is a Glorious Church. The Glorious Church is a Glorious Church. I'm doing it in two sections. The first section is The Glorious Church. It's the church that Jesus Christ is coming home for. The church that Jesus Christ speaks about in Ephesians, where he says he's coming back for a glorious church. We're calling that The Glorious Church. And later on, the second half is about a glorious church. It's about how does the center church become the glorious church? How does the body of Christ become the glorious church? But how does our church become a part of the body of Christ that is moving towards being the glorious church? You know, I've started almost every message this year with we are living in. We are living in. We are living in uncertain times. We are living in unprecedented times. We are living in perilous times. Because we are on the biblical timeline of life, we know that we're at the end of a season, don't we? And at the end of that season, Jesus comes back for the glorious church. So isn't it important that we know what the glorious church is? Isn't it important that we get a picture in our hearts of what that looks like? Because Jesus is coming back. It may as well say, Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, the center church. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, connect, arise. All these different churches, these life-giving churches. This is not the time for us to become distracted. This is not the time for us to put our energy into things that don't help us to be the glorious church. Jesus is coming for us. We, don't, we want to be like the five wise virgins who had their, oil, their lamps filled with oil, waiting at the window. We don't want to be the foolish ones that at the last minute just realize and start to urgently look around for someone to help us. We're the helpers. We're the ones that help. Thank you, Nu. I hope that was hay fever. It was like you accented everything I said. <laughs> See, we're so united here. Even when I speak, new coughs. <laughs> we are the glorious church that Jesus Christ is coming back for. Look around you at the people around you, the people you just greeted. Those are the people that Jesus is coming home for. So what does the glorious church look like? I know that I'm sitting speaking to a, a, a bunch of people who are mature in the Word of God, and I'm sure that you have an idea of what you think the glorious church looks like, or you know what the glorious church looks like. We're just going to go through some reminders today. So what does the glorious church look like? Has anybody got anything they want to... Anyone got anything about the glorious church? Just a word, a description? You probably all know it. It's hard when people put you on the spot. Yell it out. 
Family, yes. Yes. That is, uh, that is a word that is in here. Anything else? Love, yes. Unity, 100%. Believe in Jesus. So we all know what the glorious church is, don't we? But if I was to describe the glorious church, I would say that a glorious church is a church that is filled with the manifest power and the tangible presence of God. That's what the glorious church looks like. It's a church like this that is filled with the manifest power and the tangible presence of Almighty God. And those things that you just yelled out are things that get us there. And that's why this is so important. It's a church that has filled its heart with the Word of God and is looking for the glory of God. It's a church that knows about how to conduct itself as individuals and as a church. And in Ephesians 5.27, it says this, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So that's a description of the, the glorious church, isn't it? That he, Jesus Christ, might present her, the centre church, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she, the church, should be holy and without blemish. So I'm going I'm to go through just a few things that I think are important. Of course, there are a number of things. You guys have just yelled some of them out. But the first point I've got here is when it relates to without spot or wrinkle. Without spot or wrinkle. We know that we were born sinners. We've been saved by the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. But God is looking for a oneness of faith. He's looking for us to be in one accord with that. That there's no doubt and no wavering about the fact that we are saved and redeemed by Jesus Christ. You see, we can't be without spot or without, bl or without wrinkle without Jesus, can we? So the church, the body of Christ, the center church, has to come into a oneness of faith that we all genuinely believe that. We all genuinely believed when we received Jesus as our Savior, right? We all genuinely believe that we received the Holy Spirit. We all genuinely believe, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, we believe that we're more than conquerors, that we're overcomers, with the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Because we believe the word of God. But we have to come into a oneness of faith and really believe that Jesus Christ saved us from sin, that he cleansed us of all sin, all sickness, and all infirmity. And that might sound easy, but we all know there are times of doubt. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church that is without spot or wrinkle. In other words, we all firmly believe, without doubt, without wavering, that Jesus is our Lord, Savior, and Deliverer. Further on, it says, holy and without blemish. So if we've done one, then we're on our way to fulfilling two. If we've come into a oneness of faith, if we're of one accord, if everywhere we go, we say the same thing because we speak the word of God and that doesn't change. Then to be holy and without blemish, I believe, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And to fill means to make full, to occupy to full capacity. So we understand that when we receive Jesus as our Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit and that is an external experience. That is God pouring into our bodies. We're receiving him from outside. 
But to be filled for a believer is to soak in the Holy Spirit and have every part of ourselves submitted and yielded to the Holy Spirit. If you imagine your body and you imagine parts of your body that you have not submitted or yielded, areas of your life that you have not submitted or yielded on, those are areas that the Holy Spirit hasn't touched. The Holy Spirit will only come if he's welcomed in. He's a gentleman. He will never force his way in. So we have to submit and yield every part of ourselves to the Holy Spirit in order to be filled with the Spirit. Just imagine yourself full of light. And think of some of the things that you've had problems with over the years, things that you've been stuck on. I'm not speaking this over anybody, but we all know that we have areas of our life that we haven't quite got right yet. So imagine yourself full of light, and then just imagine your hand, a foot, that isn't filled. That is somewhere where you are resisting the Holy Spirit. Maybe not purposely. This might be hard to take, but it's the truth. When you submit and yield in that one area, then you are filled. You are occupied to full capacity with the Holy Spirit. And when you are occupied to full capacity with the Holy Spirit, then you are carrying the full power of God. When you come into this room together in a oneness of faith, then the manifest power and the tangible presence of God is here with you. God could drop on us right now. I'm not saying he couldn't. He could fill this room with his glory right now. But I'm telling you what we have to do to work towards being the glorious church. There are things that we have to do. So oneness of faith filled with the Holy Spirit. The last one I've kind of taken a little liberty with, um, without wrinkle, but I believe that it's relevant. Without wrinkle. It says that we should be without spot or wrinkle. You know, I'm, um, I'm 54, my brother's 53. Hard to believe, isn't it? Hard to believe that he's only 53. <laughs> Great moisturizer. But he does have wrinkles. He does have wrinkles. <laughs> Those wrinkles represent experiences. They represent tests and challenges in his life. They represent learnings. They represent growth. They, re <laughs> they represent pain, they represent hurt, they represent all of those things because he has lived a life. But I knew him when he was three or four years old. No wrinkles. As he said a couple of weeks ago, ugly, very ugly. <laughs> no eyebrows, no eyelashes. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you classify beauty, but um, renowned as an ugly baby. <laughs> but if you think about a child if you think about a child four, five, six years old those of you who have children they have endless energy they're not scared of anything they jump off trees they do whatever unless you tell them not to they'll go do it they are relentless in the pursuit of what they want please mum please mum please mum please mum go away please mum they'll cry they'll do whatever they can to get what they want because they are relentless in pursuit of the things that they want. Because they're full of passion and fire. I, I remember years ago, my brother preaching a message about his kids standing on the stage and jumping off into his arms. Because they didn't know they could get hurt, because Dad said it was okay. There are no boundaries or barriers for children. We make them for them. The world makes them for them. I believe God, I believe Jesus is coming back for a glorious church that is renewed and refreshed. 
that is relentless in the pursuit of, God, of the things of God, that is fearless in every way, that is open to change. God is coming, uh, Jesus is coming back for a church that is fresh and new. I believe that the old model of church, and I'm not just talking about our church, any church around here, I believe that the old model of church is failing us. Jesus is returning for something new. He's returning for something fresh and rejuvenated. The world is looking for something new. The world isn't looking for the same old thing. So I believe that Jesus is returning for a church that is in a oneness of faith, that is occupied to full capacity with the Holy Spirit, and a church that is new and refreshed and open to change, relentless in the pursuit of the things of God, fearless in every way, unashamed and unafraid. Is that the centre church? Is that the centre church? Yeah. I know you don't need to yell to say that you're doing it, but it, it helps for me, the same as this visual helps me. When you hear people come up as one, like those guys when they honoured their pastor, nobody held back. Nobody was ashamed. The minute they introduced their pastor, they were up on their feet. That's what Jesus is coming back for. Jesus is coming back for a church that is filled with the manifest power of God, the tangible presence of God. He's coming back for a church that is in oneness of faith, that is occupied to full capacity with the Holy Spirit and a church that is brand new, fresh, and ready to go. Now, like I said, I'm 54. I'm not that fresh, but I can be. But I can be because I'm open to change. It might not seem like it. I think I wore these jeans last week. I wear black most days, but I tell you what, tell me to wear white, I'll wear it. God tells me to wear white. He hasn't told me to wear white yet, but when he does... Surprise, guys. <laughs> so how do we become the glorious church? So I've given you some things that I think that we should be looking at. But Jesus actually named some people that were going to help us do that. So in Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, a oneness of faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God, we become, there is no doubt, no wavering about our belief that Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Savior, and our Deliverer. And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Oh. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we have pastors and teachers here in this church. We may have apostles, who knows? We've definitely got a prophet in here at least, one, probably a two or three. Jesus put those people in place to help us, to equip us to become the glorious church, to become the bride of Christ. Jesus is the groom, he's returning for the bride of Christ, and that's us. And so those people are the people that we need to gather around, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. They are going to help us to equip ourselves to be the glorious church. So from top to bottom, Jesus is coming back for the glorious church. I believe it's going to be a church that is filled with the manifest power and the tangible presence of Almighty God himself. It's going to be a church that is in a oneness of faith that Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Saviour and our Deliverer. 
It's going to be occupied at full capacity by the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a church that is willing to change, willing to do new things and be fresh and innovative, fearless. And it's going to be a church that's listening to its pastors, its teachers, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. In other words, teachable. And it's going to be a church that understands the conduct of a Christian, that we represent God on this earth, that everywhere we go, we uphold the reputation of God, that we should display the character of God, that we should be ambassadors for Christ. So that's the glorious church. Now, all of those things carry into a glorious church, but we're speaking about something different when I talk about the a glorious church. So all of the things that I just said apply to a glorious church. What would the center church look like as a glorious church? As a church on the way to becoming the glorious church, you might say it is already. But that would mean we're stagnating. That would mean we're staying as we are. What does the center church look like? This is something that you need to get in your hearts, all of us, every one of us, including me. What do we want this church to be? What do we want it to look like in order to become a glorious church that is filled with the power of God and the presence of God? You know, if, if, if I'm thinking about the kind of church that I want to be a part of, and I love this church, don't get me wrong, I love it the way it is, but this is not the church that Jesus is coming back for. Not yet. We've got to be honest about that. Right across the board, the body of Christ isn't ready. We all know that. If it was ready, Jesus might be here right now. And it says in Revelation, 20 verse, Revelation 22, verse 20, Jesus says himself, Surely I'm coming quickly. We don't know the day or the hour. We just have to be ready. So there's some urgency about getting ourselves ready and becoming the bride of Christ, the glorious church. And we've got to think like a church, like a family. It can't just be about our individual. It's got to be as a group, as a family, which means two things. We've got to get ourselves right for the overall. We've got to understand our purpose inside the wider purpose. But we've also got to be teachable and open, all of us. Leadership, pastors, everybody in this church. When I thought about what sort of church I want to be a part of, it's this church, no doubt, guaranteed, I want to be here. But I want a church that really focuses on real relationships. Megan, uh, was it Megan that said family? I want us to be a real family. I'm not saying that we're not. But I want us to be the kind of church where we can't wait to see each other again. Where we can't wait to get together to be intimate with each other, to be intimate with God. Where when you come in on a Sunday morning, if you don't get here by 9 o'clock, Gordon, if Gordon doesn't get here by 9 o'clock, he has nowhere to stand in the prayer circle. Because we can't wait to get here. Because we've been out in the world sharing the gospel and making disciples of all nations. We can't wait to come in here and celebrate it with our family. I want a church where someone comes up with an idea and 50 people say, I'm on board. I want a church where you're able to come up with an idea and we'll follow that idea. It's there at the moment, we just haven't gelled it together. The glorious church will not, a glorious church will not become the glorious church if we don't do it together if we don't do it as a family. And man, the people that I really know in my life, we've done life together. Obviously, I know probably Christine and Rich 
the best in this church, but Cheyenne and Bronson, because they're family. I know everything about them. We've been through good times and bad times, lots of bad times with Bronson. <laughs> that kid, man, I tell you. <laughs> nah, he's a good boy. He's a 14-year-old, he's a nearly 15. He's here on a Sunday wanting to serve in this church. <laughs> he's a lot like his father in that respect. No, he's not. But the reason I know them so well is because I spend time with them. Because I can't wait to see them. This is not a um, telling you how to suck eggs. This is, man, as a church, let's make an effort to get to know each other. Let's put things in place that put a focus on real relationships. You know, I heard the other day, and it just so happened I heard it during the week. I think it was, was it Monday or Tuesday you guys were all here? Tuesday. So Cheyenne said, I was at the church and I was with Pastor Peter and Pastor Lisa and Pastor Robin. And there was a whole bunch of people here, I think. Was it Elaine? And That's the kind of church I want to belong to. That on a Tuesday you can show up here and there are people here, a community, somewhere where I belong, a tribe. Who would like that? Who would like more of that maybe? Maybe you've already got it here. Who would like more of that? Hands up. Who wants to be a part of this family? <laughs> Major, put your hands up. <laughs> okay, hands down. In order to do that, we have to change. We have to change some things. That's what I think. And we've talked about it as a leadership team. I'm not standing up here going rogue. We've talked about this. I hope I'm not if I am. <laughs> if I am, um, if, I'm not, yeah, if I'm not out of the building in the next hour, guys. <laughs> I'm not saying anything different to what I've heard in the meetings that I've been a part of and, and from talking to all of you guys. It's just we've got to, somehow we've got to make it happen all at once. And that's why I believe that the old model of church is not working. I believe that coming in on a Sunday to any church and sitting and listening to someone like me speak for the majority of the time and, and watching a band and, and then sitting somewhere in the seats and if you decide that you want a fellowship with someone, you're told to be quiet because it's rude. If you have an idea, you've got to wait and hope that you can catch a person afterwards to talk to them. I don't, I don't believe, I think that's failing the world. And because we don't have the sort of time we used to have 10, 10 years ago where we could all be down here any day of the week just hanging out and be at every Bible study and the rest of it because jobs are so different now. They're not nine to five. My wife has jobs where she starts at like 5.30 in the morning for one and the other one starts in the afternoon and she finishes late. That's how the world works now. And in fact, it's probably going to get worse because you're going to have to take a job maybe that you didn't want to take in order to feed your family. So Sunday becomes really important. This day becomes really important. When we come together as one, it becomes really important. Things are changing, and they're changing rapidly. And I want us to be a part of that change. Pastor Robin wants us to be a part of that change. Pastor Peter, Pastor Lisa, and the rest of the leadership team, and everybody I've spoken to here wants to be part of that change. You know, I want to be part of a church where intimacy with God comes first above programs and schedules and tradition. I want to be a part of a church where we put God above everything else. I'm not saying we don't. But sometimes churches get stuck. I think the church across the world is a little bit stuck. Wouldn't it be cool to come in here and have, you know, you want to come down to worship or you want to come down for prayer and 50 people show up because we just want to be here. Not because you have to be here, not because you want to be seen to be here, but because you can't wait to get here to see your brothers and sisters and be intimate with God. 
And I want to be a part of a church that is fired up about helping and impacting the community. And I haven't talked to a person inside this church that doesn't want to get outside the four walls. That's what we're here for. You know, at the moment, we do have to go outside these four walls and share the gospel and make disciples of all nations. We have to help the widows and look after the children and the poor and all of those things. And at a time like this, when the leadership of this world and this pandemic have caused such destruction across the world in terms of families and freedoms and all of those things, there are people who have lost jobs for all sorts of reasons, lost their businesses, Alongside that, there are same, the same old problems we've always had. There are families living in abusive situations. There are families without food. There are children going to school that don't have lunch. There is a drug problem in our community. There's a theft and burglary problem in our community. We can't sit in here and ignore what's going on out there. And if we can become that tight church that is a family, then 50 of us can go out and do something about it. 100 of us can go out and do something about it. If the manifest power of God and the tangible presence of God is in this church, there'll be 5,000 of us that go out and do something about it. There'll be 10,000 of us that go out and do something about it. At a time like this, we need to be the solution. We are the body of Christ. We're meant to move on God's behalf, aren't we? I'm not putting anybody down. What I'm saying is, somehow, as a group, we need to get together and come up with ideas that really work and that really move forward. And I would say that, Miriam and Huya, and Elaine, and whoever else is associated with those groups are already doing this. They've got an idea. They're running with it. If you want to be outside this church, if you want to help outside this church, attach yourself to that until there's another idea. What do, you, what do they say? If you don't have a vision, run with someone else's. Attach yourself to someone else's. Huya and Elaine just did a, a hungy for our gym. They made us money, and they made the church some money. And they did a whole lot of feel-good stuff with people in the community. People couldn't believe the standard of the food, the lunches that they provided. People couldn't believe the standard of service, the love that was put into that stuff. If you want to do something right now, attach yourself to that group. Grow that group. Sow into that group. But if you've got ideas, then we're going to start, I guess we're going to start looking at them, aren't we? Yeah. You know, there is a model of that type of church in the book of Acts. And it's the early church. And in Acts 2, verse 42, it says this. And they continued steadfastly, in other words, strongly and without stopping, relentlessly, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They prayed together. They chewed over the word together. They ate meals together. They relentlessly pursued all of those things. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. The manifest power of God and the tangible presence of God arrived in their church, whatever it was, their gathering. And signs, wonders, and miracles followed. If this was a church, if there were five churches across Carpety that could come into that oneness of faith, where God just dropped on those churches, people would be running into this church to get saved. That's how important becoming the glorious church is. At the moment, we go out to save people. But there's going to be a day when they come running through that door. But it's up to us and it's up to God. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now we have a, common, we have a commonality, which is we all love God. And we love this church. We love our pastor. 
But we need to um, we need to knit ourselves together even stronger, and we need to get to know each and every individual in this church so that we can do some great things together. So now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. To me, that says that they were willing to give up what they had for their brothers and sisters in the church. But more than that, they were willing to give up what they had and sow into the people out there. Imagine if we could just feed our street. After this pandemic, maybe there's three people in the street who have lost their jobs. Maybe three people in the street who don't have enough food to eat. What if the centre church could just feed those households in this street in Hurley Road? What sort of impact could that make? And then we move on to the beach and then further down into Raumati. That's the kind of thing that could happen if we can come together as one. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, eating together, spending time together. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So after all of that, they did all of those things. They became the glorious church. The early church became the glorious church. And people were added to the church daily. Those who were being saved. The glorious church is a church that is filled with the manifest power and the tangible presence of God. It is a church that has a oneness of faith about Jesus Christ being our Saviour, our Lord and our Deliverer. It is a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a church that's new and open to change, refreshed, fearless, relentless. It's a church that listens to its pastors, its teachers, the evangelists, the prophets, the apostles. It's a church that's teachable, that understands conduct, that understands that we're ambassadors for Christ everywhere we go. We uphold the reputation of Jesus Christ. It's a church that becomes a family and is united in all things. It's a church that can't wait to be with each other. It's a church that no matter what background you come from, what age you are, from youngest to oldest, we're all sewn in, our hearts knitted together in the pursuit of the things of God. It's a church that prays together, eats together, chews the word over together, that is, our hearts are filled with the word of God and we can't wait to go out and feed this community and introduce God to the community and share the gospel and make disciples of all nations. That's the glorious church. That's what I believe the Glorious Church is. Your job is to go away and think about what you believe the Glorious Church is. The first part is undeniable. But what do you think the centre church looks like if it's a Glorious Church on the way to being the Glorious Church? We're at the end of 2021. We're at the end of a biblical timeline. We're at the end of a season. Jesus is coming quickly. We know that. There's some urgency about that, isn't there? It's not the time to play. It's not the time to be distracted. Now is the time for us to dig in. And we can simply start by getting to know each other better. Does that sound good? You couldn't say it didn't. I suppose you could, but <laughs> I get Shane to throw you. No. We are the glorious church. Can we say that? I hate this, but can we say this together? We are the glorious church. We are the glorious church. Okay. I know you can all yell. I've heard you yell. One more time. Three, two, one. We are. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I can't wait for the day that we can't stand up in this place. 
the day when we can't get into this place. That's what's going to happen to this church. That's what's going to happen to all the life-giving churches throughout this world because Jesus is coming for the glorious church. And when he gets here, this church is going to be ready. Cool. Okay, so uh, because you're real close, my eyes aren't great, but I think I can see everybody and know everybody. But if there's anyone in here that hasn't come into a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, then we'd love to pray with you today and lead you into the best relationship you'll ever have. A relationship that will transform your whole life. A relationship that will put you in an army that is on the move. A relationship that will put you in an army that is going to correct what's happening in the world through the power of God, being guided by the Holy Spirit. 